Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name's Jeremy. Did you forget for a sec? No, this is just blasé, Jeremy. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and we are here to discuss a bunch of stuff, as we do every other episode lately, um, which I imagine this won't run. This will run through Secret Wars, and then maybe we'll get to some normality. Um, but we're, we're starting out with New Mutants number 33, continuing the New Mutants and Storm and Karma story. Yep. Yeah. On the cover of this one, you've got a mad, well, a mad warlock. He's angry and huge. It's a very deceptive cover. Sunspot says, has warlock registered gone mad? <laughs> registered? I don't know. Isn't that what that R stands for? I think so. Circle R, registered. It's not a trademark. Whatever. Uh, yeah, the New Mutants, they're still fighting big, fat karma. This uh, this is a Lealoa cover, according to the um, signature in the side. That's a good cover. I like it. I like the stark red background. Um, yeah, it's a good cover. So we open this uh, issue titled Against All Odds, and we're inside of a uh, casino? or. <laughs> Nightclub, a nightclub called Pharaoh. Um, Karma is hanging out with the new mutants who she is controlling. She's still enormous. She's got a monkey now. Oh, yeah. Like, I, do. I didn't even notice like, that. It's like her salacious crumb. Yeah. <laughs> She's playing with the minds of the new moons. She uh, messes with a happy couple dancing on the dance floor. Um, she essentially breaks them up. She ruins their lives. They're like, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. And then Sam Guthrie walks up and cuts in and she's like, oh, hello, handsome. And he's like, what? And then she's like, I don't love you because you wouldn't stop me from dancing with a man. So, she, yeah, she mind controls the lady and the couple. And then when the guy freaks out, she stops mind controlling her and Sam walks away. And now the lady just feels terrible. The guy feels terrible. Everybody just feels terrible. And, yeah, Karma and the new mutants are all just like laughing it up. And yeah. She doesn't know how she could be so cruel. Nope. That's when Storm shows up and she says, hey, it's me, Storm. Remember me from the X-Men? Yeah, yeah, I remember you. And Storm claims to know what she truly is. Uh, I mean, is this to say that she's the that guy, like Farouk, whatever his name is? Well, remember? spoilers. <laughs> well, but I mean, we saw this in X-Men a long time ago in Egypt. Did we? Yeah. Remember the professor had his little mind battle? Yeah, yeah, no, I remember that. Yeah. So you're just you're 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 piecing it together from that? I'm just leaping to that conclusion, right? All right. Well, spoilers, you're right. <laughs> All right. We're done with this episode. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the only reason why Storm would be involved here. Uh it's Egypt. Well, actually, I guess they're in Madripoor right now, right? Well, it's not like any No, no, no they're in Cairo. Oh, okay. The um the none of the X-Men were involved in that story. No, but I mean there was a whole issue dedicated to it. Okay. I mean, and and Storm was there, right? There was like, and I got pickpocketed by this little girl, and it was Storm. Oh, there. yeah, that's right. She yeah. was. She did have that little cameo. Yeah. Well, that's funny. Yeah. She is the best pickpocket of Cairo. Exactly. So, all right, anyways. Uh, yeah, so they kind of, they have a little back and forth. I know who you are. I mean to free these captive innocents and put an end to you once and for all. 
because I've met you before. Magic and Mirage show up and they, a battle ensues between the new mutants and the other new mutants. And they manage to get Wolfsbane back to normal because of Mirage's super bond, her animal special bond. Yeah. They scare Karma for a moment with a giant naked Xavier. But I don't know why he has to be naked. Well, if she's going to be frightened, that's definitely going to do it. That's my boss and he's naked. Ah. But she sees through it, doesn't she? Not immediately. But yeah, essentially Karma says, an illusion, it's no more than that accursed Indian's accursed. She says accursed twice. That accursed Indian's accursed phantasms. Mm, That's just bad writing. (laughs) Accursed. Yeah. They get, uh, I'll get chased. She takes over the entire crowd and Raj thinks to herself, well, she doesn't normally have these powers. Must be, this, this is, this is unreal. And all the, all the crowd turns into zombies and chase Mirage and Wolfbane and Warlock sneaks in as the carpet and saves them. He enfolds them and creates a little spaceship and they fly out. Uh, and in typical Warlock, um, I don't know, vein, he creates a little fist and punches through. <laughs> I don't know. I like what I like what when they do that with uh, Warlock. In fact, that's the next movie that they got to make, like New Mutants, but have Warlock. Okay. <laughs> there, there was also talk about a uh, New Mutants um, thing, like a movie or a TV show. I think it was a TV show, but I don't think it's. I think it, that those rumors are dead or yeah. something. I don't. Like, I don't remember. There's so many things up in the air right now. Who knows? So he bursts through the windows, uh, helping them all uh, escape. Um, and they all kind of uh, reconnoiter on the rooftops of somewhere. Uh, Storm and Magic show up. They probably teleported there. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, they do some talking about how Mirage feels guilty and Wolfbane feels guilty and everybody feels guilty. But then they get attacked by the new mutants and Cannonball, um, Warlock almost kills cannonball but then everybody's like you gotta go save him he's not bad on purpose and so warlock goes to save him the rest of the mutants show up and they fight and somewhere in the middle of this uh fight magic gets the idea that the only way to win this fight is to side with karma or at least appear to be siding with karma so she she takes mirage and teleports her directly into karma and karma takes over mirage yeah she she just basically starts delivering good new mutants to karma and i gotta be honest I, i i kind of came to that conclusion that she was playing karma and not mm-hmm. controlled by karma but by the end of the issue i I don't know that I was still quite as sure. I mean, I think that's what's happening, but... Well, magic can't be controlled by karma. They're for the same reason that Professor X can't read her mind. Oh, right, because of the magics and stuff. But karma believes that... What well, well, karma believes is that because she doesn't... She doesn't think that magic thinks she can win. So she's just giving all the, the people to her. Um, and because uh, she now has control over Mirage, she also now has control over Wolfsbane because of their connection which is i don't know kind of silly yeah um magic brings warlock to uh, oh, karma also can't take care over warlock because he's got an alien brain right uh magic drops warlock off in limbo where he's hanging out with sim oi you little fife i'm sim <laughs> sim uh kind of 
confuses Warlock by showing him the bodies of the X-Men and says, oh, even even Ileana killed some of them. And he's, he freaks out and he's like, what? I do like this. I mean, you get the callback to the whole Blasco thing and, and the, the caved-in chest of Colossus is still strung up on the wall, just kind of showing that time is different. And it's even possible that Sim is picking his teeth with Wolverine's claw, although it looks a little small. But he was doing that in the X-Men issue. He's been picking his teeth for so long that the claws have just gotten smaller and smaller. <laughs> yeah. Warlock does kind of freak out and says, no. <laughs> Inside of the O is a little face that is also saying, no. <laughs> so magic uh, essentially just next drops Aurora off. In at Karma's, you get some fights between. Uh, this is kind of cool um, or precursor to what we'll see in the pages of the X Men. But it's it's powerless Storm fighting uh, skilled powerless Storm fighting against the less than skilled powered New Mutants and uh, handily taking them on. She, she can deal with Sunspot. She can deal with Cannonball. She can even deal with Magma by kind of using their Achilles heels against them. But it's yeah, you're right. You're right. It's, it's a pretty cool sequence. I forgot she didn't have her powers. And uh, you know, eventually this is going to transfer over to the pages of the X Men. But this is the first time you're really seeing it, I think. Uh, and yeah, and then ma- magic comes in um, and 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 basically delivers Storm to Karma. And Karma's like, nice. Now I got them all. My collection is very nearly complete. Truly, my dear, you are the creme de la creme, the piece de la resistance. And so magic heads back to uh, Limbo where she's kind of seeing all this in like her little scrying pool and uh, she's thinking about uh, her time with Storm, the Limbo Storm that she looks like she had. Did she have to kill Limbo Storm? I think she did kill Limbo Storm, but she didn't mean to. Yeah. So she kind of reflects on that and remembers that. And so she's like hoping that this plan of hers, this big gamble uh, pays off, and that's when, from behind her, an electronic voice says, Traitor! Warlock, let me explain! And <laughs> Warlock knocked out Sim. Self has heard and seen enough, once friend. You lied to Self. You are as evil as Karma, and you will share her fate. And he's, eh, he's not too much bigger. He's not as big as the cover makes him out to do. He's more just thicker than anything else. So, <coughs> excuse me, Storm has been delivered to the hands of Karma, and it looks like Warlock and Magic are going to fight. Yes, Magic has a plan. Um, and we'll, we'll see the uh, outcome in the next issue. Dazzler, number 40, uh, was uh, pointless. <laughs> but um, we have, uh, excuse me, Archie Goodwin is the writer. Uh, uh, Jackson, I always pronounce it Juice, but is that how you pronounce it? Or is it Geis? That's or? how I always pronounce Jackson it, too. Juice. Jackson Jukes. He'll go on to pencil Deathlock, but for now, he's just inking some Dazzler. Uh, this issue was clearly written before its corresponding Secret Wars issue came out. Why is that? I don't know. Just the back and forth between Dazzler and the Beyonder doesn't quite fit with uh, what we saw in Secret Wars 2, number 4, um, because they kind of go on, like, another little mini-adventure, and Dazzler's like, oh, she kind of, like, without referring to anything specifically, she's like, we had a wonderful adventure, but now it's got to end. That adventure was so much fun, but full of danger. It's a great adventure that we went on. Okay, that but, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, just kind of like, we did something, and I'm not going to talk directly about it, 
even though, I mean, from what we read in Secret Wars number two, number four, she, she should be like, oh my God, get away from me. You have manipulated me time and time again. Uh, gave me all your powers. Uh, I never want to see you again. So that that's whatever. That doesn't really quite connect well. Uh, other than that, you know, uh, it's mostly OZ Chase dealing with the fact that he can't get his pickup truck started. Uh, he heads over to a bar. There's some funny back and forths between him and his dog, Cerebus, which apparently lives on beer and cigars. Uh, but he's waiting for the town tow truck to come in so that he can get his truck towed into town. When some bikers who I, I think are mutants and they are going to liberate Dazzler uh, from OZ Chase, even though um, OZ doesn't have Dazzler right now. He doesn't actually know where Dazzler is because last time he saw her, she was teleported out of the cab of his truck. Uh, they, they wreck the town. Dazzler shows up and she ends up fighting those three mutant bikers. Um it's really not that good. <laughs> uh, she, she wins. The Beyonder comes back, and apparently, like, the Beyonder was amping up the action because, you know, she said she likes the adventure and all this sort of stuff, but she, she needs to be able to deal with these situations on her own. So uh, the Beyonder kind of created this whole situation uh, so that she could deal with it, and then he could live vicariously through her to experience the action and adventure. And Dazzler's like, for God's sakes. But the coolest <laughs> thing happens on page 19 when all the bikers transform into like a nightmare on Elm Street nightmare motorcycle. <laughs> it's all spiky and shooting at them. And of course, you know, they take care of it. And finally, Dazzler's like, look, Beyonder, I'm done. You should go. Yeah, she realizes what's going on in the middle of it. Yep. None of this is really real. Yep. Yeah. And uh it's the 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 more attention that they're feeding this this thing, the more powerful they were getting. So as soon as they ignore the situation, they just stop and it's no longer happening. Well, because the Beyonder is powering it all. And so if she walks away, he's not he's he's like, Well, we're not doing this anymore. Mm -hmm. We're done. Mm -hmm. All right, well I guess I'll turn it off. So so there's that. Uh, and then, you know, they leave and uh, Dazzler is, is going to continue taking this ride with OZ to face her captors or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Just two more issues. Wow. <laughs> I think there's only uh, a few more issues of a lot of the stuff that I'm reading, too. Alpha Flight number 28 is a uh, it's another Secret Wars crossover where we learn what else was said by the Beyonder to the Alpha Flight when he rescued Talisman. Oh, yeah. And it also feels like, you know, <laughs> I, I think I think maybe John Byrne had a little bit better of an idea of what happened. Right. But not much. <laughs> hey, guys, remember that thing we did? Boy, that was that was a good thing we did. We should do that I mean, thing there, again. There's, there's a bit more because, like, you know, the Beyonder is there holding Talisman, who he just rescued. But he doesn't really he doesn't he doesn't grab the ring or anything that he did in the other issue. He kind of says, wow, Talisman's really powerful and then leaves. Uh. And she's like, thanks. So um, there's this character named Mr. Jeffries who appears at the very beginning. And I guess I'm supposed to know who he is. Uh, he is a former member of Gamma Flight uh. and Omega Flight, who is the bunch of bad guys that are fighting Alpha Flight are mostly members of Gamma Flight, so he knows all of them, and he defeats all of them single-handedly with his, looks like, metal manipulation powers. I don't know, he's some sort of cyber genius. Not really sure what his powers are. 
Okay. Um, so then we get the Beyonder scene where the Beyonder just rescued Talisman from the magic bag. Uh, Alpha Flight argues about fighting him, but they decide not to. Uh, he does make a comment that Talisman's really powerful and her humanity is the only thing holding her back. Um, then he leaves. Talisman is super mad at Shaman. She punches him because he abandoned her. He abandoned her through all of her childhood and he's she's very angry with him. Um, she teleports the entire team and this Jeffries character who just showed up uh, back to Alpha Base in Vancouver. Um, Heather goes and takes a bath for some reason. Ooh, sexy. <laughs> and then the rest of the issue is spent with Alpha Flight, um, where Box and, uh, what's that guy, Sasquatch, are searching for, they've got a fishing rod and they're, ser- they're, they're, they're sticking the fishing rod into a dimensional portal and they're searching for a new body for... Sasquatch, because he's currently in Box's robot body, and they find a suitable body that um, is big, humanoid, and it's got no brainwave, and they pull it through, and it's the Hulk, and Hulk smash. Uh, He smashes Box, and that's where we end that issue. I thought you were going to tell me it was uh, Gargantua. Who's the guy from the Defenders that we read uh, that Magneto created? Oh, um, didn't that guy get super smart? He did. So he would have lots of brainwaves. Yeah. But he was big, wasn't he? Well, he was, yeah, he was like double size, I guess. He wasn't, I guess that's Hulk size. Hulk was double size, right? Sure. All right. <laughs> Hulk is double stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Captain Britain number 11. I think there's only one issue left of this. Uh, Captain Britain and Megan are seeing the world and they go to Russia and they encounter Baba Yaga, the house of Baba Yaga. Uh, Megan shapeshifts. I didn't know that was one of her powers, but she turns in this issue, she turns into a humanoid wolf. And a humanoid snake. What does Baba uh, Yaga look like? I guess just probably an old lady. She looks like Medusa. Oh, really? So is she like skinny or is she like a like a She's short like squat? a skinny old lady with snakes for hair. Okay. Okay. And she commands a bunch of dead snake beings. Interesting. And she she feels a connection to Megan and she tries to get Megan to join her by capturing Captain Britain and... She wants Megan to eat Captain Britain with her so that they can be friends. That's weird. Megan says no. (laughs) (laughs) And destroys the house with flame powers. So she also has flame powers. I'm, you know more about Megan than I. So is this all consistent with Megan? Uh, No, (laughs) not, not the Megan I know. Okay. I mean, the shape-shifting kind of, uh, the flames, maybe. Um, Well, she has that fire hair, right? She does have like some crazy hair, but I don't recall her shooting flames or anything. Maybe, maybe she did. I thought she just fl- flew and was was strong. I well, I guess we'll see how that happens, or yeah. maybe we never will. Um, she burns down Bobby Alga's house, and Captain Britain and her are kind of reflecting on the whole thing, and then they get transported to uh, pyramids. I'm not sure where. Doesn't say, but or it doesn't. I don't know when either, and that's where that issue ends. Uh, Defenders Wonder number 149. I think there's three issues left of this. Um, Andromeda joins the team. She's been in the last couple of issues. She is one of Namor's people, a sub-mermariner or whatever. Um, And they go help Cloud find some sort of secret. Um, There's an interesting scene where Beast breaks up with Vera. 
um, not really breaks up. They the kind the, the two of them are kind of Vera's like oh, you're not really gonna be with me anymore, and Beast is like, well, I'm a pretty crappy boyfriend. Plus, mutant sentiment is or anti mutant sentiment's pretty high. You don't want to be hanging around with me. And then he leaves her a Beast signal watch, which emits a signal that only he can hear with his Beast hearing. This is actual dialogue. Beast hearing. Yes, he says Beast hearing. <laughs> Um, and then he leaves. So I believe we don't see Vera again until X Factor, where she probably no longer has her Beast Watch. <laughs> uh, I've read those issues, and I don't recall seeing a Beast Watch. <laughs> but who knew there was so much Vera? Yeah, not me. Um, so back to the Defenders. In the They are attempting to uncover Cloud's mysterious secret. They travel to a hospital. Um, it has two comatose patients that look like... Um, they both look like Cloud. Cloud can turn into a boy and a girl, and the boy and the girl comatose patients are what she looks like. Um, she reveals that she rescued them from a car accident, so they go to the scene of that car accident, um, and she kind of relives the moment where she absorbs both of their forms in order to save their lives, and there's a mysterious danger that she refuses to remember until on the last page she remembers everything, and she casts a lightning bolt, and she teleports the Defenders somewhere else, but all we see is one panel of the Defenders and one panel of Not the Defenders. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So that's that. Let's talk about Secret Wars 2, number five. Totally, yeah. Secret Wars 2, number five. This is so far my favorite issue of Secret Wars. Yeah, uh, I think, I don't know uh, if I thought this or if I said this in the last Secret Wars issue that, that we did. Um, but as these issues progress, uh, they seem to get a little bit more grounded uh, and a little less goofy. If there was a Secret Wars movie, I would want it to be based on this issue. Sure. So yeah, this is the Beyonder. He's he's just singing some, I don't know who sings this song. Uh, Bill Withers. Yeah. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. <laughs> he almost gets hit by a train and he's just like, bang. Oh, click bang. The train uh, just, just, just falls apart into all of its bits and pieces uh, all around the Beyonder. Um, Everybody goes flying, but at the last second he causes the passengers to land safely but and it's still chaotic everyone's kind of confused and dazed and they don't know what's going on and he just keeps walking and that's when a young lady representative of the era in which they are uh, in other words she's this generation's kitty pride <laughs> she looks like the uh late uh, the one of the characters from the dazzler episode she does. She's wearing the, the, I guess I didn't really talk about that, but everybody in the Dazzler comic was basically wearing like little Cyclops visors. And she is also wearing a little Cyclops visor. And God help me, if I could have picked one of these up as a kid, I would have been be beside myself. <laughs> I thought something like this would have been so cool to have. Probably not very functional, but, but yeah, she's, she's got, she's everything that 1986 is uh you you almost expect popping gum to be coming out of her mouth oh that'll that'll happen it'll come it's just not there yet but she's like hey mister wait up you did that didn't you you must be a mutant like me is she southern i don't know what she is she's probably more new york but uh trying to differentiate her from kitty <laughs> Uh, she was up on her way to a place in Westchester where she heard that there was a school for mutants. And since this dude wrecked the train, the least he could do would be to help her with that. 
So people call you the Beyonder. Why? And he goes into his whole Beyonder thing. I'm from Beyond. I was everything there. And we learn that this is Boom Boom. Her real name is Tabitha, but that's even worse than Boom Boom. Apparently, people have always called her Boom Boom, but they didn't know that that she has this power that is also synonymous with booming. She can create little marble bombs and she, when she comes to three two one they explode she she calls herself time bomb i think the three two one is more of a gimmick i think she can kind of set them for however long she wants them to be oh, that, yeah that's what i got from it yeah. was that they they don't explode until she says three two one and not it's not because she says three two one but she's timing it to yeah. when she wants it to explode we got a little bit of backstory on this uh on, on tabitha boom boom time bomb she apparently is 13 or 14 years old, and uh, she discovered she was a mutant, and uh, her father also discovered that, and when he did, he lost it. He is not happy about mutants, and so he decided that he would try to beat this power out of Tabitha. And she takes off her glasses to reveal uh, one black eye, and the other one is also uh, crying, but I'm not sure if that's because she's re remembering this. Yeah. Does she does she have two black eyes or is it just one? I think it's just one black eye and the other eye is just teared up. And then the next panel, both eyes are teared up. She throws her glasses back on and she's like, uh, yeah, uh, but you couldn't care less about my traumatic childhood. Want to see what I can do? All I got to do is concentrate and I can make one of these, a marble. Pure energy, watch. She throws it into the tent that the Beyonder has magically created and blows it up. And he's like, why'd you do that? And she's like, you can <laughs> fix it. You blew up the train or uh, you can fix it. Why did you blow up the train? long story uh, it's a long story i've got time <laughs> all right so he kind of goes into the events of the last issue in which he was trying to find love he thought he found it with dazzler but it wasn't real and she rejected him and ever since that point he's felt empty and he's just tried to put it out of his mind um and busy himself with other things and and he's feeling emotion his his stomach keeps tying itself into knots so it's he, he truly is feeling the pain of losing a loved one boom boom in a very elaborate panels cooks three hot dogs and eats one yep Looks like actually two. She's got one. She's double fisting. Yeah, so and so maybe she's handing one to the Beyonder. Probably. I mean, she cooked a couple up, and and it's like you know, she's, the least she could do after he's created camp and food out of nothing is cook him a hot dog. So she gives him some sad sack advice about you know, life is uh, you can you can wallow in your unhappiness, or you can treat it like a game, and uh, or you can try to get back at it. I had a friend who took the quick way out and a bunch who vegged out on drugs. So suicide, same stuff, just slower. And then the Beyonder says, I'm going back to Beyonder world. Yep, it's been real. It's been fun, but it hasn't been real fun. And uh, Boom Boom was like, well, let me just, let me give you a hug for luck. Thanks for keeping me company in the food and stuff. And then he disappears. All by myself again. 10 points, I win, which is referring to the game that she plays yep. about how sad she is. I really like Boom Boom. I've always liked her. Um, I don't know what she's doing nowadays in comics. No clue. But I had no idea she started in Secret Wars. Yeah. Uh, and I think the next time we see her is in the pages of X Factor. I believe so as well. Uh, which she also kind of equally gets an interesting introduction does she does she, is she hanging out with Richter already or is, or is he like uh, they meet separately? Oh no, Richter comes comes after boom boom. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, Beyonder, he heads home and, and he's like, yeah, hey, this place isn't anything without me. Um, I could just uh, disincorporate, expand to fill or actually to become the old Beyond Realm again. In a minute, he just can't help but think about the things that he's experienced. So he creates his gadgets. He creates some planets. He creates dazzlers, many dazzlers. And he's like, yeah, I, I could I could create a dazzler and she could be here with me forever or or I could just bring her here and make her love me. But real love, love given of her own free will. That I can't have. I can't earn it. Buy it. Make it. Force it. Beg it. Or live without it. What am I talking about? Why am I talking? I came here to be what I was. I want to forget that other universe. And then his pants explode because Boom Boom left a time bomb in his pants. That sneaky little twerp, he thinks to himself. And so on Interstate 95, Boom Boom is hitching a ride when a sweet car pulls up. And it's the Beyonder. And she's like, oh, no. But he yanks her in the car. He's like, ah, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not even mad about that thing you did in my pocket. Hey, my eye, the swelling suddenly went down and it doesn't hurt anymore. I fixed it. <laughs> yeah. Now do you believe I'm not mad? I guess so. Welcome back, Mr. Katea. <laughs> I knew you'd come back even if I uh, hadn't put, or I knew you'd come back even if I hadn't put that time bomb in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a line you don't hear that often. Not enough. I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah, I'm not really quite ready to quit. Uh, me neither. Don't think I haven't considered it a few times, though. Oh, that's Boom Boom talking about, like, yeah, I thought about checking out, but not ready yet. But she's got to get to that school, and um, the Beyonder decides he's going to take her to the school. And so he does. They they show up minutes later at this mansion in Westchester. And this is a problem for me. <laughs> well. Professor Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters, the, quote, secret school for mutants you heard rumors about. The home base of the X-Men, this is it. <laughs> but, but if it's secret, how did you know where? And who else knows this? Well, the Beyonder does say, I know whatever I want to know. There aren't any secrets for me now. Scoot, he says in his best Wolverine impression. <laughs> um, yeah, they're a little fast and loose with the uh, secret school for mutants. But I, I do buy it. I mean, he's the Beyonder to be like, yep, that's X-Men. <laughs> but the other thing is that Boom Boom... Well, I guess Boom Boom's looking for this secret school in Westchester. She she just doesn't know that it's Xavier's Institute. Maybe she was hoping that she would get close to Westchester, ask enough questions, and then eventually be able to piece the clues together to find whatever school she was looking for. I will buy your logic. Sure, why not? So Boom Boom walks up to the door. She knocks on it. Colossus opens up the door. And he's like, uh, may I help you? I'm Boom Boom. I mean, Tabitha, I make these little time bombs and are you sure you have the right house? And Rachel runs to the door and says, it's him. It's the Beyonder. And everybody is all of a sudden in their costume. Let's go, X-Men. Hurry. Including Colossus somehow. So where this is taking place, I don't know, because you've got the you've got Kitty, Colossus, Rachel, Wolverine, Wolfsbane, and Cannonball, uh, who two of those people are under Karma's control right now. So my feeling is that this takes place at the end of the last storyline in New Mutants where they said, we got to go after Karma. Oh, but before they actually before go? Before they actually left, I got on a plane for Madripoor. Sure, I'll buy that. So they, oh, a Nightcrawler, he joins in the battle and he's like, Hey, what are we going to do with him? Why did we attack him anyway? Because Rachel said so. 
Says Warlock. Beyonder's like, I don't have time for this. So he he repels all of the X-Men and new mutants off of him, and he drives away. Scream! Vroom! Says the car. After him, says Rachel. Rachel shouted a command, augmented perhaps subconsciously by her mighty psionic powers, sends the X-Men and new mutants who are present racing headlong after the car, leaving a frightened and bewildered child in their wake alone. Don't chase him away. Beyond her, don't leave me here. Why did he leave without me? I don't want to be here. And then the X-Men are walking back and Wolverine's kind of upset. Says, right now your power concerns me more than the Beyonder. I don't like being psionically coarsened in anything. Maybe we ought to have a little talk about that. What about the girl we saw on the porch? Do you think the Beyonder brought her here? Why would he? Who knows? We'll look around for her later. After we settle our little internal problem. Is something Wolverine would never say. Yeah, this whole thing is kind of out of context for the X-Men, but it's really trying to drive home the point that Jaime Choutier would like uh, Rachel to really hate the Beyonder for some reason. Well, you know, that'll that'll show up in a couple issues in the X-Men as well. It, it Yeah, I, I don't know that I... And written much better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, so in in the um, last issue of New Mutants, uh, there was a throwaway line that Roberto was uh, acting strangely ever since his battle with the Beyonder. Right. So I believe that's referring to this. Okay. Although that issue was published before this, so maybe Chris Claremont was told by Jim Shooter, "Hey, I'm putting Sunspot in an issue, just so you know." Right, because. In Secret Wars number two, or Secret Wars two number one, all of the X Men and New Mutants went there except for Sunspot and Magma, right? And like they were in the Gladiator, yeah, ring. yeah, yeah. Now well, whatever. Uh, uh, boom, boom. She's on the property, and she's like, "That's it, Beyonder. I'm gonna punch my ticket. I'm gonna create a time bomb so big. I'm gonna set it for thirty seconds, and then I'm gonna blow up. Five, four, three, two, one. Fine." She, she counts off to zero and she doesn't blow it up. And she's like, ah, I couldn't really do it. Maybe he just doesn't care. Ten points. What am I doing now? So she goes and she picks up the bomb again and she says, for real this time. Three, two, one, boom. And it does blow up and when the smoke clears, the Beyonder is there and she's still there. Why did you come? Because you're not ready to quit yet. I can tell. That was a stupid stunt. I know, I know. Get off my case, will you? I'm only 13. Stupid stunts come with the package. Not that stupid. Want to go for a ride? Here now, yes. So he, they get in the car. It's a, it's a new sweet car, I think. And there's a, it's, it's in the middle of the woods. So the Beyonder appeared with his car. And then they drive through the woods. Yeah, literally through the woods, phasing all the way through. Outstanding. They uh, they pull the car up and they fly into space. Uh, Beyonder's like, Dad, don't worry about it. You can breathe. I'm, I'm creating air in here. And they head to the world complex headquarters of the Celestials. And this is the part where I was like, if they ever make a Secret Wars movie, this scene has to be in it. Just this giant construct of planets connected together. And the Beyonder driving a car there. <laughs> yeah. And on the world structure, world complex, whatever it's called, are in fact the Celestials hanging out, kind of keeping watch, not really doing a whole lot. Apparently... They're one of the oldest races in the universe, and they've taken upon themselves to look after the universe and sort of shepherded its development along. 
Yeah, apparently, the yep, they don't rock. they don't do much, and the the planet surface below the Celestials has kind of become a tourist area around built around the Celestials. So there's a whole bunch of aliens doing weird alien touristy things. So the Beyonder and uh, Boom Boom they take it all in. They get Comet Cola and uh, uh, Gurk and Gurk Gurk. Whizzes, which are whizzes. Gurkle whizzes, which are basically like brown and yellow potatoes. Uh, apparently delicious, though. Oh, yeah. They're the best. And uh, and uh, Boom Boom was like, well, huh, those those big guys, uh, you know, you're so powerful, whatever. They didn't even look up when, when we arrived. Nonsense. They've thought of nothing else since I entered this universe. And since I've become here, uh, came here, they've been absolutely frantic. Well, they look bored to me. You just can't perceive the activity with your puny human senses. You want to see some dramatic action watch and, and the beyonder goes up into the air or into space i guess above the celestials and encourages them to attack because he's going to destroy the universe and they do and it's a big old fight scene with a bunch of celestials once again this is why this needs to be in the movie well it's kind of parallel to boom boom's scene when she was going to blow herself up but not really but then for real because he does the same thing. He's like, do you hear me? I'm going to blow up the universe. Oh, I see. You detected I wasn't going to do it. Well, this time I mean it. Three seconds. Three, two, one. And then the Celestials are like, oh, man, this guy does mean business. They all head towards him. There's like six or seven or eight of these giant Celestials. Uh, and the Beyonder easily just knocks them back and forth to and fro, dropping them onto some of the tourist... Uh, Tourist traps. Destroying the boardwalk. Yeah, boom, boom down there's like, Beyonder, I can't believe you're doing this. Stop it. Stop it. You're crazy. Oh, come on. I was just kidding. The Beyonder has landed after knocking most of them. Some of them unconscious. Some of them are recovering. The Celestials, they're not as big anymore. Yeah. Is that on purpose or is this just like a poorly drawn panel? I think it's just a poorly drawn panel. Because some of them that are in the foreground, like the hand... Is giant is is enormous. Well, I mean, if you look back a couple of pages, you've got like one celestial whose foot is in a lake, and you can see the curvature of all of the planets. So, I mean, like these guys are freaking huge. But then when they're crashed in the ground, you know, they kind of look like they're six times this, like a like a like a uh, a sentinel size. Yeah. But anyways, Boom Boom's like, I didn't really mean you should have done that. Um, you meant it. You were going to destroy everything. Relax. This is my planet. Or this is where I live. You jerk. <laughs> uh, and and Beyonder's like, look, I can give you whatever you want. You always wanted to be pretty, right? Well, boom, now you're pretty. And you wanted to be older, right? Boom, you're older. And you wanted to be normal, right? No powers. Boom. I can do this. <laughs> and Boom Boom's like, I, I, put me back. I don't want any of this. It's interesting how pretty... Uh, is they just give her bigger lips and longer hair. Yeah. And now she's prettier. Yeah. And more exposed shoulders. Yeah, they, they, they slink down the, the shirt. And then when they make her older, make her breasts larger, hair shorter. Yeah, it's very cliche. Yeah. Um, So he's like, whatever. And he restores her back to what she was and teleports her back to Earth. They give her eyelashes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jim Shooter. He goes up to the uh, to the last, I don't know, maybe not the last, but a bar. And he says, look, uh, or he says, give me a beer. Rigelian scroll or earth beer, idiot. Good stuff. Yeah. Beyond her nose. Y yes, sir. 
I have Iron City beer on tap, the best. I'll draw you a cold one right away. And even though he's drinking Earth beer, he's drinking out out of an alien bottle or glass. Oh, you know. Yeah. So uh, he gets into his car and he flies. I don't know where he goes, to be honest. I think he must have a house or something. Yeah, he, he beamed uh, Boom Boom back home, by the way. He goes, yes, he goes back to his mansion in Brazil where he can maybe find something to do there to take his mind off of his troubles. And on his giant view screen, he reviews the progress of Algrim the Elf, uh, of whom he restored power to last issue. Right. There he is still plodding across the floor. I wonder what it's going to be like when he gets to Thor. Do we, is that a Thor thing? Like we don't, that'll be a side story? I don't remember. Probably. Well, guess I'll listen to some music while I'm thinking. Not going to bother looking at what's on the player. Just going to just going to play it. Just hit play. Oh no. Allison, why did it have to be her record on the stereo? Meanwhile, in Westchester, uh, where Boom Boom was beamed back, she she blows up a uh, payphone and she makes a phone call to the Avengers emergency hotline and tells them of the Beyonder. Avengers are like, all right, we'll be right there. This is our, this is the Wasp. Our hotline operator tells me you know something about the Beyonder. <laughs> yeah, and so they they lay a trap basically. Uh, Boom Boom goes back to the campsite, starts calling out to the Beyonder, uh, who hears him, and he's like, oh, I was hoping you'd call me. I'd just about given up hoping you would. I missed you, kiddo. How are you? I'm fine. She gives him a hug. Sure. Well, I've actually been kind of depressed. I-, I hate to admit it, but I think you're right. There really is no turning back. No way to take a rain check. There's no way to unlive what you've lived or unfeel what you felt. Like you said... Go on or try to collapse and die quick and slow. So he's like coming to a, a revelation here. Yeah, it's kind of a sad moment because, you know. I was almost ready to quit, you know, just before you called. I'm glad you did. You're all I have left. At- boom, boom. Where are you going? And the Beyonder doesn't realize that he has driven Boom Boom to be too scared to be. They, they can't be buddies anymore. And it's sad. She's blown up the back of his pants. And that's when all of the Avengers, East Coast and West Coast, show up and start pummeling uh, the Fantastic Four. And uh, I think uh, Doctor Strange, they're all here. Basically, oh, yeah. every so West Coast Avengers, the East Coast Avengers, the Fantastic Four, Thor, Doctor Strange. And every like shields and hammers and, and batons and swords and arrows and energy signatures are all hitting the Beyonder at once. And they're like, uh, don't let up, Reed Richards says. Don't give him time to think with the flick of an eyelash. He could atomize all of us. And uh, Captain America's finally like, uh, wait, he's not even trying to fight us back. We can't just pummel him. But, but Cap, the risk. Uh, Wonder Man says, Captain America knows what he's doing. Listen to him. Everyone just hold your fire. He doesn't seem to have any fight left in him. But stand ready just in case. So now what do we do? says Hawkeye. Arrest him, toss him in the slammer? What evidence, says Wonder Man? The Beyonder does the Incredible Hulk and walks away. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Can't. Can't bail out. It's it's no use. I tried. Iron Man says he's wandering off. Should we stop him? No, let him go. Hopefully he'll just go home, says Captain America. Ten points, I win. What do you make of that? says Captain America. Gee, I don't know. What happened to that girl? The last thing the Beyonder said under his breath was ten points, I win. Just like Boom Boom. Yep. Sorry, Doctor Strange, she's gone. Slipped away in the confusion. Don't worry, says Invisible Woman with those same pouty lips. (laughs) I get the feeling she'll turn up again, and so will the Beyonder. Yep. Beyonder. 
next issue, uh, you get, uh, I think you get all of the Sentinels. Eon, the Inbetweener, the Living Tribunal, Chaos, Order, Galactus, Death, and many, many more. All right. Yeah. So, yes, of the five Secret Wars 2 issues we've read, that one definitely showed the most amount of depth. And I think I just like boom, boom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, you would think that maybe they would have been able to do a better job with Dazzler since she's an established character, but uh, they couldn't. So I guess they created Boom Boom and, and uh, did much better. Who knew Jim Shooter created Boom Boom? There you go. You never know. Yeah. You never know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to say it was Louise Simonson who was like, hey, I got an idea, uh, but I'm not going to need it for like eight months. <laughs> but I doubt that happened. Well, Louise Simonson was doing a... Uh, a classic Chris Claremont where she was reading stuff and she was like, I can use this. Yeah. Hey, here's an abandoned character that I can kind of fix up. Well, finally, in our little cavalcade of comics, we've got, geez, Firestar number three. Yeah, we've been we've been plotting through this one. We've kind of been doing it uh, chronologically, which is why we already did one and two, because they took place before issue 193 of X-Men. But one and two were really were released this whole series was released in 1986 got it um so it's technically not out yet oh the whole thing the whole thing is a giant retcon oh that's weird yeah we don't normally do stuff like this but you know whatever <laughs> it's our show shut up yeah don't tell us what to do so it's it's firestar and she's uh being put through the paces by Emma Frost in the uh, Massachusetts. Bad Guys Danger Room. <laughs> yeah, the, the Massachusetts Academy's version of the Danger Room. Very similar robots, lasers. I think maybe the stakes might be a little bit higher, but uh, uh, Firestar, despite some harsh criticism from Emma Frost, is able to pass all the tests. Uh, at the, the very last test is Professor X shows up with a machine gun and says, Die, you little mutant witch! <laughs> And uh, it throws Firestar off to the point where she she loses, she forgets how to fly, and she crashes to the floor. And she's like, "Professor X didn't seem that mean when I met him." Yeah, and I was like, "Well, you know, people people have different sides of themselves. You can't trust what you, you can't trust can't trust it." The anti mutant sentiments are growing in this country. Normal humans hate us, fear us someday, and I pray that day never comes. You may have. To use your powers to protect yourself or someone you love. I just want you to be ready. Yeah, and uh, we get some some story of uh, one of the faceless who actually gets a face, but one of the faceless Hellfire Club guard guys who apparently Randall. is uh, Randall. He's been uh, uh, chosen to be Firestar's kind of bodyguard or whatever, and he's grown attached to Firestar, and Firestar's grown attached to him too, yep. and he keeps he, he thinks about. Oh, I wonder what the White Queen is up to. And then he's like, oh, I really shouldn't do that. She's a telepath. She's going to kick my butt. Fortunately, Emma Frost has got too much on her mind to read his mind. So he's not found out for his treacherous thoughts. And, and she has promised Firestar a gift, which will be revealed later. And then we get a locker room scene where we do get to see Randall's face. And um, there's another... Uh, Hellfire Club goon. What's this guy's name? Stein. Yeah. And in one panel, Stein is lifting weights. And in the next panel, in the same conversation, he's shirtless. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I guess he took off his belt while they were talking. Hey, Randall, want to see some pecs? 
I got pecs. <laughs> Look at these pecs. I also have short shorts. Do you see my short shorts? Well, you know, he's working out. Yeah. It's the 80s. Right. You can't it's what work you out, show off your pecs without short shorts. <laughs> yeah, but I was there, buddy. I know. <laughs> so we get the impression that Stein is a real bad dude. A bad hombre. Bad hombre. He also says something like, um, uh, there's laws against that type of thing you're thinking about, because apparently he's sensing that Randall may have some feelings uh, or care a little too much for Firestar. Which Randall doesn't. That doesn't really like, seem like it. Just seems like, you know, a, a. I think Stein's just being a jerk. Yeah, Stein's being a jerk, and 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 uh, Randall's just more of a maybe a father figure, or yeah, guardian it's, angel, or whatever you want to say. He's a big old softy. Heck yeah, he is. Um, and so now Emma is debriefing with Shaw about the events that occurred in X Men One Ninety Three with. Um, Warpath and and his brother and the things that happened with Firestar and and all those things. We get a little retcon action where she reveals that she has been subtly nudging uh, Thunderbird to believe that the professor was responsible for his brother's death, which I think was kind of unnecessary, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Shaw kind of points out like, yeah, it looks like your subconscious efforts were in vain. But uh, Emma just kind of blows it off. Perhaps, but uh, actually, though, I was far more concerned with the effect this confrontation would have on Firestar. As you might have guessed, Xavier immediately tried to recruit her, but she remained loyal to me. The little fool. She actually worships me. Little dreaming that I am secretly training her to become the Hellfire Club's most deadly assassin. Now, I don't have a better emma frost voice but i'm not going to do that emma frost voice oh you don't like that one and no it's fine you 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 run with it i i it's it doesn't work for me i couldn't tell you why because it... i get where you're going <laughs> it's just that's that's not my emma frost sorry <laughs> no no it's okay you keep doing it <laughs> is emma frost supposed to be sexy and now you're picturing that voice and you're like Ugh, gross no i wouldn't um I wouldn't say that she was sexy. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Okay. Well, meanwhile, over at Shaw's place, uh, we see the couch turn into some vapor. The vapor turn into a hand, grab a bottle of wine, and pour a glass for Shaw, who's like, hey, what the heck? It's the Black Queen. What are you doing here? It's not just the Black Queen. It's Celine, the Black Queen. Yes, well, Celine is the Black Queen. I thought everybody knew that. I don't know. I'm just reestablishing it because we really haven't touched on that storyline in quite a while. It's true. In the bottom right corner, uh, Shaw looks like Apocalypse. Kind of. Kind of does. Yep. Just, just saying. Um, yeah. And I guess what's happening here is uh, while she is trying to state that she's being altruistic and helping her black king out, even by serving her a glass of wine, the white queen and the black queen are making some plans vague plans uh so maybe it's possible that celine is there to try to gain some information you know what i was thinking as i was reading this it would be funny if celine really doesn't want the mantle of leader of the hellfire club and shaw is just like super paranoid about it <laughs> that would be kind of fun maybe she's just like a super nice woman who's like hey i saw your glass was empty so i, I filled it up <laughs> And Shaw's like, that witch, she grows bolder with each passing day. How dare she get me some water? (laughs) (laughs) 
She wants to challenge my right to rule the Hellfire Club, but I already know best how to deal with her. Back at the Massachusetts Academy, there is a ballet recital, and empath and roulette decide to have some fun with Firestar, and they give her some bad luck, and she trips and falls during her ballet routine, and then empath uses his powers to make the um, already irritable dance instructor super irritable. Mm-hmm. She freaks out. loses her junk and uh, she loses control of her powers and the sprinkler system goes off. Looks like I really did it this time. She gets called into Emma Frost's office and she's like, you need to be more careful. I don't know if Miss Grundy or whatever the hell her name is ever going to (laughs) recover from this. Are you watching Riverdale or something? (laughs) I've got that queued up, but I haven't watched it. I just remember Miss Grundy from the comics. Uh, and, and Firestar's like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I won't let it happen again. She's about to leave when Emma Frost is like, hey, whoa, whoa. Remember, I, I got a surprise for you. I assumed that this little incident would change my mind. No, Angelica, I do not operate like that. I'm much more devious. <laughs> I've made arrangements for you and your bodyguard to take a little trip this weekend. You're going home, Angelica. To visit your father. Oh, she's from New Jersey. Yeah. Oh, Miss Frost, I don't know what to say or how to say it. Thank you. <laughs> she's, what is she, a chimney sweep? <laughs> yes. She is uh, Dick Van Dyke from Mary Poppins. <laughs> oh, I miss Mary Poppins. I can't wait to tell Roger the good news. <laughs> well, I'm trying to do New Jersey, but I guess it just came off as really bad Cockney British. Hey, I'm running with it. (laughs) And so she's very excited about this, even though earlier she was thinking about how her dad is having a very hard time dealing with her uh, mutant abilities. Actually, that's my Emma Frost now. Have you made the necessary arrangements? (laughs) This assignment is of the utmost importance to me. (laughs) I'm so so excited, Randall. No, now I can't do it. (laughs) Because she's British, right? Oh, Emma Frost is totally British. Yeah. yeah, so she's Cockney. Absolutely, as Cockney as you can get. So, 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 yeah. The 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 White Queen has an assignment, and Stein comes in, and Stein Stein's assignment has something to do with Firestar's visiting her parents. But she's going to take Lance, her bodyguard, with her on the plane ride. Lance, is that his name? Or Randall? Randall. Randall. Sorry, <laughs> Randall Lance. Whatever. Uh, so that night, uh, a bracelet that Emma Frost has given. Um, uh, Firestar starts glowing, and as it glows, she has a nightmare of Nightcrawler and Wolverine ripping her apart, stabbing her, and just generally being bad to her. No, she wakes up, and even in even in her dream, she is unable to strike back against Wolverine. She there is a moment where she could kill him, but she hesitates, and Wolverine guts her yep that's when she wakes up and miss frost conveniently in the room next door runs in oh jenica what is it dear what's wrong uh nightcrawler wolverine they're gonna kill me uh they must i have a feeling they must really want me dead i i don't know what it is miss emma frost she's like uh the hallucinator on is doing the job perfectly oh take it easy honey it was only a bad dream a nightmare so she gets on a plane, flies over to Joyzy. It's like Mrs. Doubtfire meets a cockney. <laughs> yeah, right. Accent. And so she, she's like, there's my father. She runs up to see her father, and he's like, Ugh, yeah, I'm glad to see you too. And he's not. 
is what the expression on his face says. But he is really glad to see that she has a bodyguard, and he's really nice to that guy. Real glad to meet you, son. Let me take those bags. I insist, after all, you are my guest for this weekend. Ditch that sir stuff. Call me Bart. Bart Simpson. <laughs> Who the hell are you? We'd better. Alabanga. Yeah. So they 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 head to the house, and Angelica's like, "Oh, my house and my cat, and oh my gosh, I'm so happy. We got a lot of catching up to do, and I missed you so much, kitty cat." And Bartholomew comes up, is like, "Are you crazy, girl? Give me that animal before you accidentally dot dot dot." Oh, Angelica, baby, I'm sorry. I never meant to. And she's like, "Don't have a cow, Dad. <laughs> Keep your hands off me." You haven't wanted to touch me since I got off the plane. Don't start now. You're afraid of me because I'm a mutant freak. Angel, please, don't use those awful words. Why not, Daddy? They describe what I am. You know it's the truth, but you can't accept it. Just like you can't accept me. Sweetheart! Wait! She runs to the bed. She's crying. She kind of has a hot cup of... He has a hot cup of tea with Randall as they kind of talk about what happened. And he's like, oh, my God. Sometimes I think I'd rather see her dead than have to have her suffer through life as a mutie. And Randall says, you know what? I'm out of here. Yeah, we're, we're going to leave tomorrow morning. This is this has been a bad idea. Yeah, I guess you're right. So they uh, they, they go to the airport the next day and they're hanging out. Uh, Randall gets a uh, call over the intercom for a message at the courtesy phones. So he's like, all right, well, so he heads over there, uh, assuming that it must be the Massachusetts uh, Institute. His name is Randall Chase. Was Is Chase one of the one of the uh, Hellfire guys that we know? Oh, I don't think he's a Hellfire guy. I think he's just like a random Hellfire. Oh, yeah, no. He's not like uh, Macam and Reese. Cole. No, Cole and Reese. He's not those okay. two. Yeah. I don't think we've met him before. And that's when, uh, what's his face? Stein shows up and says, "I'm my job uh, in this caper is to keep you here. Yep, for just a couple of minutes. So don't move. A punk with a boombox walks by and bumps into her, and he's like, watch it. And he drops the boombox. He's like, you broke my music box. And now it's bursting into flames. Hey, you must be a mutie. Look, everybody, there's a mutie freak. Everybody get her. <laughs> and everybody gets her. Did you hear that? A mutant. She ought to be locked up, kept away from decent folk. Don't let her get away. So everybody Leave me alone. Keep back. Yeah, everybody freaks out, and she, she, just to protect herself, is like, get away from me, I'm warning you. And she uses her microwave power to kind of heat up the area around her, push everybody away. She, they start beating on her dad, too. She levitates up, and she, she kind of shoots some warning shots at the at the people. And the Move away from my father, mister, now! One of the, the punk guy with the boombox, he whips out a gun. He's like, oh, I, I carry this wherever I go, because I always knew I'd eventually come across one of you freaks. So so I'm going to shoot you. And he, Believe it or not, honey, you really made my day. Blam, blam. He shoots her. But she's able to use her powers at the last minute to uh, melt all the bullets before they can hit her. All those training sessions with Miss Frost have finally paid off. I owe that woman my life. She, he, The punk's about to shoot her dad, and he's like, She's like, not on my watch. Uh, and she she hits him, the punk guy, with a blast of her microwave power. Uh, he's, she kills him. I don't think she kills him. She, I she think she does. No, she doesn't. Because, uh, well. There's a line of dialogue. Okay. I think he's severely hurt, but I don't think he's dead. Aye, he says. Um, and that's when Randall's like, what could that horrible scream have been? Stein, <laughs> Stein's like, okay, now we're done. And, uh, so Stein uh, 
leaves and Randall recollects the family. And later that night, we cut to um, Emma Frost pouring herself a glass of wine to the success of their uh, mission at the airport. Yeah, this whole thing was kind of a final test uh, to get her prepared for her real assignment. It was probably also to kind of mess with her more emotionally to drive her closer to Emma Frost. Well, it, it was like the this whole issue, she's been having trouble um, striking her assailant. She was unable to attack Professor X. In her dream, she was unable to attack Wolverine. Um, so Emma Frost set up a situation where she was finally able to attack her assailant. And you're right, she didn't kill her. Uh, she says the agent who served her as her target is currently in critical condition, but that's a small price to pay for success, eh? <laughs> Uh, trust me, Sebastian, Firestar won't fail us. The Black Queen is already as good as dead. So Shaw and the White, the White Queen are setting up Firestar to become an assassin to kill the Black Queen. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. And that's it. That, that'll draw this episode to a close. That's right. Good stuff. Lots of good stuff coming. X-Factor's coming. Uh, everything else is ending. Thank It'll God. It'll be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably stop doing Alpha Flight. Like, this was actually the last issue of uh, John Byrne doing Alpha Flight. And the fact that the Hulk appears in Alpha Flight um, is sort of because John Byrne is moving over to do the Hulk. Uh, so I'm probably not going to do alpha flight anymore but I'll, I'll i'll wait until defenders is over before i stop doing alpha flight and you were doing alpha flight because john byrne was a part of it or just because wolverine has roots to alpha flight because uh, wolverine has roots to alpha flight um but i feel like the further the series goes the less it really connects i agree so if i'll, I'll keep reading it and if anything happens like i'm sure wolverine will still have cameos i'll mention those I imagine that Defenders only has like an issue or two left. They've got three. Three. Okay. So I did 149 and the last one is 152. Okay. I've read 152 and it's it's an interesting issue. I'm looking forward to it. It's a Secret Wars tie-in. Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, well, there you go. So uh, if you let us know what you think about all the extra crazy coverage uh, or just what you think of the current state of the Marvel Universe as we are in it, circa, I guess, 1986 at this point. Uh, you can do so by visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com, visiting us at facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast, following us at Danger Room Go, uh, or emailing us at uh, Danger Room at redcapproductions.com. Go out to iTunes, type in Danger Room. We're the first podcast that will show up. Leave us a review. Leave us some stars. Subscribe to us uh or what not. Uh, or you can leave us a message at 501-GET-X-MEN. That's 501-438-9636. And our theme music was provided by, or is provided by, Laszlo Hollyfeld. True Dad. So, until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed.